Welcome to Football is for Footballers, the podcast that brings you the detailed perceptions into the world of women's football. Hey everybody and welcome to the next episode here on Football is for Footballers. Today we will be discussing the often debated topic of winning versus development in youth football. Now on the last podcast and the last interview we had with Massimo Migliorini, he mentioned that at a youth national team level, this idea of wanting players to make mistakes and that effort was the most important thing and that coaches have to move away and looking for the strongest or the quickest players and looking for those that can intellectually motivate and change games in the way that development should be. And then when you actually look at this winning versus development argument, the idea we face today is that winning doesn't matter. Only development stems from the extreme win-at-all-cost mentality that many involved with youth sport promote. Because of that extreme, the polar opposite has arisen where we tell our players that winning doesn't matter. And this is the ultimate issue. In 2015, Mourinho actually was heard in an interview saying that in England you teach your kids how to win, whereas in Spain and Portugal they teach their kids how to play. Now, back in 2015, of course, this really was the actual issue. But now, in this current moment in 2019, it's clear that a country like England has identified this issue that arose from this sort of statement. This sort of conveyor belt of never-ending robotic footballing prospects that simply just follow instructions and lack that sort of human creative spark to think outside the box on the pitch. But with the recent successes in the World Cup in Russia, the European Nations table semi-final, and young stars becoming big names in European football, you can see that this final change in mentality has had massively positive outcomes. Now the Portuguese manager, and arguably one of the greatest managers of all time, might have been onto something, you know. Consider this. Young Maradona, Messi, Ronaldo, or even Suarez are all star-studded names that will live long into footballing history, and yet they have so much in common by the way they were brought up on the game. The football, this instrument many consider a tool that brings about the statistical results, to them was just considered a toy. They were not confined by the restrictions made on them by their coaches, clubs, or even their parents. They were given the freedom of the football streets to express themselves, to mould this creativity flair and love for the game. Rather than being mechanically manufactured into a footballing machine from an early age, they had this unshackled freedom where they were given the opportunity just to enjoy football to the fullest before competitively developing in the latter stages of their teenage years. Let's face it, these players were not stars from a young age. They were identified as talented, inventive individuals that with the right tools could then become household names. When Ronaldo was bought by Manchester United, he was deemed a raw super talent with plenty of flicks and tricks, but needed the right guidance and trainings to elevate his competitive journey to the next level. And this is why at 18 years old, he got all the necessary tools to do just that. And whilst this might be at the highest level of the game, the cream of the crop rising to the top and being given the chance to develop in the right manner, the fact is they all came from the same place. They played the same game. They were given the chance to enjoy it without being burnt out with this repetitive exercise nature. But this is not the same for all young players at grassroots level. Fun is such an important aspect of football, especially for young children. If you do not enjoy something at a young age, 
you lose interest and move on to something different and more enjoyable. It is then unsurprising that there has been so much noise made about the critical latter years, around 15 to 16 especially for females in football. In their publication Foundations of Sport and Exercise Psychology, Robert Weinberg and Daniel Gould explain the critical factors that influence young players to leave the game revolve around a lack of enjoyment. And also this immense pressure and an overemphasis on winning. And in fact, having personally asked young children who play the sport in England, Sweden, or on my trips to China, Portugal and Germany, their actual answer of enjoying it and winning do not correlate. I don't think in fact it featured once in their answers that winning was the reason they were having fun. And a study that was conducted in 2014 by George Washington University, where they actually asked kids why they participate in sports, showed that over 90% of the children responded that they participated in it because it was fun. And fun, however, means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So to elaborate further, the children were asked to describe what was meant by fun. And 81 different explanations arose throughout the study. And where did winning feature on that? In the top five? You couldn't be more wrong. Top 20? Keep going? It actually ended up 48th. In fact, the top six were. Number one, trying your best. Number two, when a coach treats players with respect. Number three, getting playing time. Number four, playing together as a team. Number five, getting along with your teammates. And number six, exercising and being active. My god, kids are smart. Far more intelligent than us adults give them credit for. Because when you look at the further numbers and the ones low down the list, winning ended up 48th, and things like earning medals and trophies ended up 67th. It is also worrying in this moment to also consider that in this current generation of kids, they might not actually know how to have fun. If you are regimentally ordered to play in a certain way and are made to do exercises, One might assume that the mini-matches at the end might actually be part of this fun element of the session. But for that to occur, it is almost like the treat at the end of doing hard work. Or maybe when you've finished your homework, you can finally go out and play or play games on your Xbox or PlayStation. And then your conscious mind starts to learn that it is the end when you can express yourself in football and have fun without being worried about the results. But that should be the whole way through every session. And every match. And every opportunity when you're learning in football, you should be enjoying each moment, being appreciated for trying something new, and being educated on how to relax and enjoy yourself with a football. So the word win has a large influencing aspect on fun, and the word win is now largely considered taboo. Now winning isn't a bad thing, especially if it's understood in the right way. The word win shouldn't suddenly be generalised to an actual result. There are different forms of winning, and it should be made clear from the start what sort and what form you are searching for within football. In general, there are comments made about winning at life, or winning over people, where there is no concrete item to define that winning aspect. But also there's winning a competition, or even an election, where you can actually see what the result is, that trophy at the end, or being given a particular title. In the case of football, The term is not mutually exclusive with development. Winning, or at least finding yourself in a positive position to win, is a very good outcome from development. As US Youth Soccer Coaching Director Sam Snow made a comment in a report in 2003, he said there is nothing wrong with winning. 
but it is winning at all costs which is the problem. And to be honest, he's right. The wrongly perceived idea that winning brings about the best reaction from kids is an illusion. A misinterpreted desire from coaches and parents that thrive off their past successes in sport and motivation to have the same, if not better, achievements for their children. In the simplest form, of course you can win a game. You might see the happiness from your team winning because they played well and enjoyed the match. There is nothing wrong with that. The stepping over that line in the sand, though, is when you win by passing the ball to the best player, or only keeping the best players on the pitch at all times, or even just sending the ball long to make sure your people, that are the ones that influence the game the most, are on it for the majority of the remainder of the match. For me, though, the most positive example of winning is actually developing this winning mentality. The notion of players who are motivated and determined to give 100% are improving in all areas of the sport. The second you start to inspire players from a young age to be hungry to do well in football, and that's in terms of improving and developing different aspects of their game, whether that might be dribbling, passing, how to even play with others, or even communicating, with all of these components, sooner rather than later, this will stem into an eventual hunger to actually win games as well. You are growing that desire organically and allowing players to find their path at their speed. You're not forcing them to win to feel these eventual outcomes, or that losing means that they have to be better at everything. As Sam also mentioned, playing your best and losing is okay and should be proud of the effort. This means there is a focus on the process of play, not merely the outcome. The idea, therefore, of bringing back fun and altering this form of winning at all costs, and how much focus there should be on it, therefore becomes a priority. But the trouble with this, and the biggest reason why winning at all costs is distasteful, is from us adults pushing it in the wrong way onto young players. Parents play a huge role in pressure on their kids. A study by Anthony Ross and Associates back in 2015 recognised that parental behaviour towards their children was detrimental to sporting success. Most children want the approval of their parents, and with so much focus on mastering the right skills and winning games, it becomes very rare you hear a parent encouraging their child to make mistakes and to go for it. This is one of the reasons you see players pass the ball so often, when there is the opportunity to dribble with it. Because they are scared to make a mistake, and passing puts the responsibility onto someone else. You hear parents cheer when a goal is scored, and muted groans when a goal is conceded, but rarely for the beautiful play that happens during the game. This instills positive and negative reinforcements in results, rather than the processes to get there. Children should be able to feel happiness and enjoyment in the small elements of the game. Let's be honest, not every player is going to score a goal in every match. Not every goalkeeper is going to keep a clean sheet. But there are so many moments in the games that show a player how far they have come and how well they are doing. And these need to be celebrated much, much more. And even then, when the game is finished, the parent-child post-game analysis, going over these details of the match, also holds huge importance. If the team loses, many times parents make remarks with, you'll beat them next time. Well, why does that matter? You are saying that they will win, that the result will be different next time. But why does the result hold so much importance? When they lose, did you enjoy the game? How do you feel it went? I thought this was good and you did that really well. Boost the confidence, make them feel appreciated for what they have done regardless of the result. 
and when they win. Of course, enjoy it. But what about the most important question that comes from it? Did you have fun? Did you enjoy the match? What did you think of the way you played out there? Or even this thing of saying how good that pass was to their teammates, or the run that they made to tackle someone. Just because your team might win 6-3, your child might not have scored any goals in the game, or might have been the one to concede a mistake that led to one of their goals. So praise the things that they did well in the match, and allow them to feel the success in the minor victories within the larger triumph. Give them the opportunity to grow as a player, and understand that the elements that they can do better, they will learn to do better in the training processes. But enjoy the things that they do well, and breathe this desire to continue to do those fantastic things. And beyond all of this, one of the biggest problems that we see a lot in everyday football is that your child is not the centre of attention in the squad. Do not expect them to play every minute of every game or because they might be better than others, that they should instinctively be given so much more time and effort. Coaches have so many players to help develop, but everyone deserves equal opportunity in the earlier years especially. Coaches have so many players to develop, as much as 50 in the younger age groups, so everyone deserves equal opportunity. If your child scores a couple of goals, then great! Or is the best on the ball, then that's certainly a big help to the team. But the whole team has to be given the same opportunities and the team needs to be able to play with one another or as much as your child needs to depend on them as well. It is not an individual sport. But there is a huge problem with accepting your child as technically better but not being given as much as you expect. Therefore pressure is put on the coach. This is the worst possible form of development for all concerned and is a massive war zone that we could talk about forever on its own. Just remember. No matter how good or bad your child might be, the expectations from the coach should be the same. They develop like anyone else. Get the right amount of playing time. Learn to play in a team environment. And have as much fun as possible. Honestly, parents want the best quality available for them. And I can understand wanting the best for your child. But so many times winning matches is mistaken as showing quality. Parents do not watch training sessions or see how the players are developing outside of a match. So the only way to measure the improvements can be largely down to the result. This measurement of success, based on winning, or in fact winning or losing, instinctively puts pressure on coaches who are deemed to not be supporting their child in the right way, based on that 20-minute, 60-minute, or 90-minute game. But for parents to understand and appreciate development over these results, or this winning at all costs, it's a massively long process and takes time. If you take a player who doesn't like to dribble with the ball, you cannot expect them to be making runs up and down the pitch or pinging these 30-metre passes like Marta in only a month's time. Patience is such a key component of the process and many don't have that time. A cluster of losses will happen and then suddenly doubts about the coach's capability to do well are brought into account. This power parents have puts incredible pressure on all involved, as much as it does in schools. And having experienced it myself here in Sweden as a teacher, the pressure is massive from parents to have their children achieve the best results on a yearly basis. Seeing your child get a D in their first year of sport, or English, or science, is seen as a disaster. But consider this, the idea is to improve results every year and develop so that in their final year, they leave with an A or a B. This is not to get an A in year 6, a B in year 7, 
and a C in year eight because the results are specific to a yearly criteria. Your child's future is not determined on a yearly result in the early stages, but on that progression towards your final exams by the end of their school cycle and how much they've improved on their weaker areas within a subject. Quite honestly, wouldn't you rather have your child start on an E and have the teacher help them improve on their weaknesses over the subsequent years until they improve to even a B level? Rather than get an A in their year six exams, then you neglect the areas they need to improve on because they've done so well and then suddenly see their grades start to drop the closer they get to their final exams. Well, that is the exact same in football. It is the same as understanding the teacher is there to help all 30 children in a classroom to develop. Your child is no different to any other in the group. They should all be treated the same and the teacher should be trusted to do their job, not pressured into changing a result or spending more time on them because the grades aren't what is expected. Players will play football for 10 or 15 years and there should be a progression over that time. You can't expect the final product or the best results at the beginning of the cycle. They will naturally come as it progresses. And coaches are not exempt from the problem either. Yes, to a huge degree, there is a lot of external pressure from parents, as I mentioned. But if you believe in your ability and the plans that you've put in place, then there is no need to worry about the results to actually keep your job. You have coaches that opt for development, or even coaches and directors that strive to do this, but it is not as frequent as you might hope that they stick true to their words. For a coach, it is a constant minefield of decision-making that puts you on one side of the fence on this winning versus development conundrum. You hear coaches say, we can win this game. They might be better than us, but we can get something from the game. Just kick it long, pass it to. The pressure isn't on you because they are top of the table. This is a must-win game. You are better than them. All of these comments focus on the result, and they are a frequent saying that comes out of coaches' mouths, including mine in my earlier years of coaching too. It is an utterly poisonous idea that permeates through youth football, and this needs to be eradicated. The result should be immaterial. The way in which individuals and teams play is of paramount importance. You want to see children take ownership of their own technical development, understand the mistakes they make, and have guidance on how to improve those areas. As Reddy Mullenstein, former coach of Manchester United, used in his philosophy to develop youth football in the United States, he made sure that every coach should focus on making sure every child deserves great training to help them become the best they can be, create the right environment in training for the player to become successful, challenge the player and have lots of repetition to create success, and must coach the positives. These quite honestly should be fundamentals that should be expected from every coach. And I tried very hard to find a mention of winning. And guess what? When you look through his plans, I couldn't find one. And this should apply all the way up in the system until under 17s. Here, there are no relegations or promotions, essentially until that age level. So why does winning have to be a priority? You are honestly given the best excuse of all to focus on development. Not only for the individual, but from a team perspective. Let's face it, don't you want your team to play nice passing football? Create overlaps, have pattern into plays, have a bit of excitement about the way that they play. And then win, lose or draw, all players were involved in the whole entire game. And this is one of the issues I have with clubs, especially with youth girls football that I've seen here in Sweden. 
Even with the best teams, we have been in positions where opponents have focused on playing to their best player to get the result, or my old club worried about losing a few games. Eventually it makes you doubt yourself. Are my processes right? Am I doing the right thing for the players? Or should I just change the tactics to bring about more points in the table? I would watch a team build around three to five people. Two centre-backs that could kick the ball long, and maybe three girls that were fast or strong that could run after the ball. Teams would continue to play this long ball form of football and completely miss out the middle part of the pitch and have players that were actually spectators to this sort of tennis match that was happening when they had the ball. And on the other end of the scale, teams would also capitalise on the mistakes that we made trying to play expressive football. It was something new to our team. They needed time to learn, the opportunities to make mistakes and understand that we will get better the more that we practice it. There would be many occasions where my player would try to pass into an overpopulated central area of the pitch, try to dribble with the ball and lose out to their opponent, or try a 1-2 and have this first-time pass intercepted. And especially as we were playing in Division 1, a league of the top teams at the relevant age group, mistakes got punished, opposition teams would revel in the win, and coaches would be delighted at coming away with a result. But why? Ultimately, my players were upset at some moments after games. But what actually was most surprising was the togetherness of the team and the responses that happened after certain losses. We had players that were upset, but because they didn't play well. Or what's even better, happy with the way we played, but it was just a shame that we didn't get the result. Before, this team was heavily reliant on a few players, dragging them through games. But now they were expressing themselves with teammates that were happy to hold on to the ball, demand it, and try to play their own style of football in this team philosophy. And as been mentioned before, in what was deemed as the danger year for football players to drop out and this 15 to 16 year old age group, we had 24 players at the beginning of the season and we lost one player during that entire time and actually gained a new one to the team. So in all aspects, the most important thing about keeping girls enjoying and playing football, which we mentioned earlier about having fun, we achieved that goal. And since moving to another club, the matter is very different. But overall, to me, that is the greatest win of all. Not the fact we might have taken on a top team and beaten them 4-3. Or the fact that we've gone away and maybe got a draw against a team that should have beaten us every day. Those things are irrelevant. It's the fact that my players were able to understand and be happy with performances and stay and enjoy the game and move on to another year of playing football. With the combined support of understanding and very open parents and similar thought processes with the coaches, we managed to do our job. We had every player playing big minutes in matches with a larger disregard for the result. We had players enjoying playing football as 11 on the pitch rather than just watching a few control the game. Individuals were developing so much that they were being noticed by bigger clubs. The team was tighter than ever. And the most important detail of all, every single player developed as a person as well as a player. What they learned about themselves, their psychological strengths, ability to learn, the ability to think for themselves and problem solve are the greatest wins of all and should be noticed and put as the highest priority for all clubs. And trust me, we played some huge teams here. We managed to tactically shut down some of the most well-known teams in the country by half-time, to then just see them come out and give the ball to one or two players who were national-level standard, who just dribbled past three players and put the ball into the net. 
We had matches where just long balls were continuously forced to a player who could shoot from anywhere, and other times when teams would keep on their best players to inflict further damage on the result, when the score was already out of hand. To me as an adult, I can identify with these and think these are wins personally because our team are doing a fantastic job. But it is very different for those that are contributing in the game to understand why this has to be the same. Why do players have to keep kicking and scoring 5 or 6 goals when it's already 5 or 6 nil? Can't others be given an opportunity? Or why does there have to be a single player that has to be given the ball by another person to dribble through everybody when it's about playing a team game? The result is already decided. You have the win already. So why not try to get everybody involved and play a sort of football that when they go home they can go, yeah we won 6-0, but did you see when I did this or when we passed the ball like this or did that together? That is missing. Now I personally know that I haven't done everything perfectly. There have been many moments when I've had to alter my methods or understand further the ramifications of certain decisions. Or like was said before, gone into a changing room and said, look this team's better than you. But I've gone out and said, just play your best style of football. And I've learned that. It's about what your team can do. Never about the opposition, especially in youth football. It's about making sure that your team wants to express themselves, to play a game. And it's on this point that I remember the constant that's remained throughout is that in a squad of so many players, I can happily say that everyone has developed and now watching results from this season, I can see that they're finally getting the wins with greater regularity that they deserved. They might not have come as much in the year that I was with them, but we kept telling them that we are preparing them always for greater challenges and that will come along beyond this here and now. That is my personal win to not be their coach anymore but to see them thrive and get the results at an older age and put the actual performances together that gives them the win at the end as well. Remember, winning or the result is the outcome of great performance. I actually saw a fantastic quote by Paul Kamata and I think this perfectly sums it up. Let us say that you and I coach two teams with kids that are 10, 11 or even 12 years old and are all equally good. You try to teach them to play good football, a passing game, and with tactical basics, while I tell mine to only play long balls and try to shoot. I can assure you that at first, I will always win against you, just by using your mistakes alone. Break a bad pass and get that goal. If we however continue with the same training methods during a three-year period though, you will most likely win every game against us. Your players will have learnt how to play, well, mine haven't. That's how easy it is. The final thing to be mentioned, more importantly than anything else, coaches must allow players to fail, to make their own decisions on the pitch, to solve problems, and to be encouraged to do so. They shouldn't be subjected to routines, like following a sales caller on the phone and then suddenly asking them, what do you think of the weather today? Players need to know how to express themselves in unpredictable situations where following the guidelines doesn't work. And on top of this, players shouldn't be shouted at for making mistakes or doing something wrong. We are there to be constructive, supportive and positive. As Massimo said, you can never be upset for a player making a mistake, but you can for them not trying hard enough or giving a commitment or trying their best. With that in mind, I've met over 20 coaches in youth football in the last three years that should just be relieved on their positions for instilling the wrong mentality into their players and just shouting at them and this great degree of negativity. 
And it's just sad to see those eventually that these players will drop out or not continue in the game because they are subjected to these sorts of pressures. Taking this all into account, winning is not wrong. Developing isn't the only answer. There is a blend of both that will bring about the ultimate success for all young players. Like we said before, if there is a chance to win, go for it. After all, somebody has to win. There is no point continuously developing players and teams if there is no desire to eventually turn great performances into eventual wins on the board, even if it was low down on the list of young children's reasons for football being fun. It certainly rises up those rankings later into teenage years. But it is this win at all costs that should be eradicated. If parents trust in the developmental process and coaches search for wins becoming the result of good development plans, with a touch of learning how to express yourselves in football, then the winning mentality will shine through itself in future performances and results. It is just the fact that winning at all costs shouldn't be the primary goal. Winning matters, but development matters more.